0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: So I'm excited to share with you something that really, I feel is really going to make a difference in your life. So I want you to think about your job. I want you to think about how you feel on a Monday morning or a Sunday evening. And I want you to evaluate whether you feel excited about, you know, walking through those doors. Or, you know, whether you, whether you do it merely to earn an income. You know, just because you have to. I don't know how you feel on a Monday. But for many, many years I've been in your position. So for the last 13 years I've been working with Andre at the church. It's still a job. Right, I know you guys think we drink coffee all day, but there's actually work to do. Just come work with us for one week. You might want to go back to your own job. <laughs> but you know, I I studied accounting, so in 1999 I uh, did my articles. I st- uh, walked into an auditing firm, so first year's article clerk, and I was so determined. You know, I'm going to shine my light for Jesus. I was involved at of Stellenbosch at that stage, and I was really, I was. I was eager, you know, to make a difference in my workplace, but when you fail your board exam and when you don't have a car and need to find a lift every day to work and when there's crazy hours and overtime and complicated, interesting and intimidated personalities you work with, it's all of a sudden not so easy. Does anybody relate? (laughs) No, you really, I believe all of us have a desire to make a difference at work, but It's not always so easy. But the reality is we spend so much time at work. They say roughly a third of our lives we spend at work. So we might as well make it count. I mean, we might as well find purpose in our workplace. There's this quote by Oscar Wilde that says, The best way to appreciate your job is to imagine yourself without it. The best way to appreciate your job is actually to imagine, Okay, I have nowhere to go on a Monday morning. So... You know, to lose that kind of purpose, to, you know, I think we all complain when we're busy, but have you ever been not busy at all? You know, there's just no work to do. And I've found those times actually more challenging, you know, when there's no purpose. And, you know, I I really believe God calls all of us, not only to appreciate our jobs, but to flourish and to overcome and to make a difference in our workplace. The question is, how? How? I know. I know. This is what I want to talk about this morning. And I really pray that this is going to help you. It's going to make a difference to your Monday morning. So we're busy with a sermon series. We call it the Christ centered life. And Andre has touched on it. JP has preached about it. And, you know, I want to, I want to take you back to a book in the Bible and a Bible character called Daniel. It's one of my Bible heroes. I'm just always so amazed by how he coped at work. I've always been inspired by the way that he lived his life at work. So I want to give you a little bit of of, of history. So around 605 BC, Babylon besieged Jerusalem. So what happened is Daniel was actually deported as a teenager to Babylon, basically as a slave. And, you know, if you you think about your work circumstances, it's not ideal, you know. You're not you didn 't get a bursary you weren 't headhunted, hunted. you were deported to a to a, a place or a you know a country where the, you 've got no interest you know and the amazing thing is that Daniel and three of his friends made such an impression on the king or on the Babylonians that they signed him up for a training a training program at the palace and at the end of this training program, you can go and read the book of daniel it is it's really amazing. It will inspire you. At the end of this training program, they were even more impressed with Daniel and his and his friends. So I'm quoting from Daniel 1 verse 20. It says, In all matters of wisdom and understanding, the king, right? The king found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in his realm. Ten times better. That's quite an achievement. It's quite a rating from the king himself. You know, and Daniel made such an impression on the king. It did not only lead to promotion. It also led to transformation in that kingdom. You know, and the question is, what was his secret? How did he get this right? And how can we learn from that so that we, it can for us also lead to promotion and transformation in our workplace? What was his secret? And I really believe you know what we've been talking about over the last few weeks? A Christ-centered life. Somehow Daniel got that right. He wasn't only Christ-centered at home or at church or back in Jerusalem. He's now somehow getting this right to, in, in Babylon, be Christ-centered. To seek the Lord, to, to not uh, comply or not look like the rest, but to be different. And that is something that's so inspiring. It's something that we need to apply and it will make all the difference in our workplace. So I would love to show you a few things from the book of Daniel and from this character that is just so inspiring. So first of all, he was a man of excellence. So I want to I read to you Daniel 6 verse 3. It says, Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The king gave thought. He was so impressed with this Hebrew boy. Now, excellence doesn't mean perfection, right? You t- take that burden off your shoulders. I've made many mistakes in my life. I hate making mistakes. I don't like making mistakes, but I've had to make a piece with it. I've made mistakes. I'm still going to make mistakes as a wife, as a mom, as an employee. As a Christian, we we make mistakes. So excellence is not, it doesn't equal perfection. But what it is about is to give our best, to give our all. And I want to show you this this amazing scripture in Colossians 3, verse 23 to 24 in the Amplified. It says, whatever you do and whatever your task may be. So I want you to think about your daily routine. Maybe you you need to change nappies. Maybe you need to cook dinner. Maybe you work outside, you know, in this is London heat <laughs> in March, oh, March is coming, <laughs> January and February. Maybe you, you work in a hospital. Maybe you have patients that you see all the time. Maybe you, 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 a teacher, maybe you have a class of 30 grade ones that you need to deal with every day, whatever, whatever your task may be work from the soul. Work from the soul that is put in your very best effort as something done for the Lord and not for men. Knowing with all certainty that it is from the Lord and not from men that you'll receive the inheritance, which is your greatest reward, because it is Lord Christ that you actually serve. Now, this scripture has helped me so many times at work. You know, the moment I shift from who am am I actually working for and who will reward me, It's a game changer in a workplace. So many moons ago, when I I was still in in the auditing profession, I worked for somebody who was very intimidating. I was very scared of him. Many people were scared of him. But I remember the anxiety and I remember my Sunday evenings, how I felt going back to work on a Monday morning. And I I said to God, Lord, I, I can't go on like this know, I was stressed out, I was anxious, and I couldn't do anything about it. That was the situation. And you know what? I felt God say to me, Sonica, I want you to serve this person. I want you to serve him. I want you to honor him. I want you to do things for him before he even asks you. Because there were so many things he wanted me to do that it wasn't important to me, but it was important to him. And, and God said to me, Sonica, I'm challenging you to to up your game, to change your attitude, and you, and you know what, I could either, I could either either decide I'm going to work for my boss, I'm going to work for Jesus, you know whose instruction I, uh, was I going to follow? And, you know, praise God, I responded to to him. I, I responded to his instruction, and it wasn't easy for me. I really needed God's grace to, you know, to serve this person. But you know what changed? My boss, no. <laughs> My boss didn't change, but I changed. My anxiety became less and less and less. And somehow I found the grace not to work for my boss, but to work for Jesus. And like I said, it was a game changer for me in that season. Where I was so anxious at work and I could do nothing about my, you know, my external environment. I couldn't control it. I couldn't make him change, but I could work for Jesus and it made all the difference for me. So I want to ask you this morning, who are you working for? Who are you working for? Because it can make all the difference. All the difference. You know, this person I uh, worked for for about 10 years, after 10 years at that office, when we left, moved to East London, he was the only one who wrote me a handwritten card, gave me a Willie's voucher. I was so surprised. <laughs> you know, For me, it was a sign of God's faithfulness because I worked for Jesus and not for Him. And I want to, I want to speak that over your work situation, that anything is possible when we work for Jesus. Anything is possible when we work for Him. So Daniel was not only a man of excellence, he was also a man of prey was a man of prayer. Daniel 6 verse 10 says, In his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day. Now that day was a bit of a crisis in his life. But, you know, we, we all pray when there's a crisis. So I assume, you know, we all pray. But Daniel didn't only pray that day. It says he prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. It wasn't just a, oh, there's a crisis, I need to pray. No, it was his custom. He was disciplined. He was doing it day in, day out, week in, week out. He was a man of prayer. And that is so, it is so encouraging. So the question I want to ask you, are we praying or are we complaining? Because complaining is easy. Well, all of us can complain. It's, it takes very little effort really to complain. But pray. Pray is different. Daniel lived a different lifestyle. He wasn't complaining about the magicians and astrologers and saying, Oh, it's such a dark and dark place. And there's you know, the darkness is so overwhelming. No, he prayed. He prayed. He wasn't intimidated by the darkness. He added pray. He facilitated the presence of God. And I would love to ask Nicole to join me on stage because she's got a beautiful, a beautiful story. I know Daniel feels far away, right? Babylonian, 605 BC. Nicole is right here. Okay, she's right here. She's not like Daniel. She's right here. She works at Ronnie's Motors for the last five and a half years. Maybe some of you can relate to her job. But at the beginning of this year, the 8th of January, she was at church. And during worship, she felt that God said to Nicole, I want you to go big." This year. And she didn't know exactly what that meant, but she started seeking the Lord, saying, Okay, God, what do you mean by going big? So, Nicole, please share with us after that Sunday what happened.
0: And God just laid it on my heart. He says, Nicole, bring in my harvest. I'm like, What do you mean, bring in your harvest? <laughs> so, he said, Nicole, bring in the staff of Ronnie's Motors. I'm like, well, That's what you want me to do, but how do I do this? So he says, um, through praise and worship and prayer. So I said, well, when do you want me to do this? So I said, well, like before, before work. And he said, no, it's too busy. It's, people are going to be focused on work times. Bring it at lunchtimes. So I said, okay, well, that's fine. I can do this. So anyway, so I go to work and our receptionist lady met me in the, the kitchen and I told her, I said, I'm starting a praise and worship. She says, yes. she says, this Friday. I said, okay, this Friday. So we started it on Friday and we had well, six people and then four, you know, eventually we kind of like ended up with four because Two had to go out. And God just stepped in. We just uh, had my music box with me. I was playing praise and worship. God just moved. He just did something in that room because um, also I asked God, where do you want it to have it? And um, we in the back little archives room, <laughs> but he is working there. His presence is just there. And um, so anyway, so they said to me, they just failed him, and uh, they said, we need more. So I said, okay, well, I was only going to do it once a week. And he said, so no. he changed. Actually, he changed, all yeah. So, so it's now twice a week, a Monday <laughs> and a Friday. And yeah. <laughs> So share with us what happened at the second meeting. So and anyway, the so time. then when they came, it's just oh, an infilling of God in the Holy Spirit just came down upon us. And it's such, becomes such a place of peace and tranquility and we're just soaking in His presence and the prayers that are getting answered, that is what is so touching. And I just feel like I'm going to be this drop and this ripple effect is just going to take place that I'm bringing in the harvest that more and more people are just going to come in. Because God is just so, so tangible. So, and it's so nice to see the staff thereafter with smiles on their faces and the love, the unity that is taking place. And that is what's making Me happy inside and God's peace too. So, guys, just start it anywhere. No matter if it's in the back, dark place with boxes. That's what I've got, boxes all around. But I'm starting. I'm being obedient to God and I'm starting it. And it's working. It's really, really working. And God is just so faithful. And I just thank him and give him all the glory. Amen. I
1: want you to catch what she has, okay? (laughs) Give her a hand. Thanks, Nicole. So Nicole is is a normal Christian, you know, like all of us. If she can do it, we can do it. You know I have a very bad habits at work, I, I work through lunchtime often. It's a bad habit. Don't do it. Okay. It was the only time I could find when my whole team was on lunch and then I could think. I could actually think because there weren't people around me that talked and made a noise. But Daniel didn't work through his lunch hour. Okay. Nicole neither. They pray at Ronnie's Motors. So I want to encourage you. Find one person. Find one person. Maybe lunch hour isn't the best time for you. Maybe before, like we had a pre-group before work because lunchtime was just crazy. So it depends on your work environment. Find one person. One is enough. Partner with one person and start praying for the people at your, at your workplace. Pray for the company or the school, whatever you are involved in. Pray. It will make a difference. Daniel was a man of prayer. It made a huge difference in his environment. He was not only a man of, of excellence and prayer, but he was also a man of wisdom. And I love this part about Daniel because, you know, often at church we trust the Lord for words, or we trust the Lord for for His guidance for Him to speak with us. But what about Him speaking to us at work, about our work? You know. So in in the book of Daniel, the king, right in the beginning. The king had a dream and he wanted the wise men in his kingdom, not only to tell him the interpretation, he wanted them to tell him the dream, which is a big ask. And they just said to him, Oh wow, we can't do this. You know, how can you expect us to do this? But Daniel was up for the challenge. So he went to the king. He said, just give me a bit of time. And he asked his friends to pray and he went home and it says, God gave him the dream and the interpretation in a night vision. So this is so exciting. So the next day he goes to the King. He says, the God of heaven showed me the dream and the interpretation. Now the King's obviously, wow, this Hebrew boy has got the spirit of God inside of him. Now he has a second dream. The King had a second dream. What does he do? He goes straight to Daniel. Because he knows the wise men in his, in his kingdom won't be able to, to, to give him the interpretation. And, and listen to what he says. Daniel 4.18. Since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. This is why we need a big generator. You're going to feel it now. <laughs> Praise God. Just hang in there. Okay. Just hang in there. The wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able for the spirit of the Holy God is in you. Now imagine this. Imagine your boss come to you when he or she needs to make an important decision because he or she knows you have the spirit of the living God in you. You are wise. You have God who can reveal to you secrets. Imagine we have that reputation at work. How amazing would that be? You know, we're not only doing our work by our own natural abilities. We can ask God for wisdom. You know, this is what's so remarkable about Daniel. He wasn't intimidated by the darkness. He just, you know, he facilitated the light. He facilitated the God of heaven and the wisdom that God put in him. You know, I remember, again, I'm going to tell you quite a few work stories this morning, but... There was this big client that I was the audit manager and they wanted to do a specific kind of accounting treatment. that was very difficult, still difficult. And I knew that potentially it could create a lot of stress and panic because I didn't think at that stage, stage I really knew that what, what that was in for. We needed quite a lot of documents and I was kind of the one having to drive the process. And there was a, a, a stage during this audit where i say to god lord I, I see trouble coming with a specific transactions that we need to do according to this accounting treatment I, i'm really I'm, I'm worried what should i do and god said to me this is what i felt put this this on the agenda for the meeting with the financial director later that week so we we mainly worked with the financial manager, so i hardly ever saw the financial director but that was one meeting i think we had, we Maybe saw him once or twice during the audit until right at the end. And I put it on the agenda, you know, and when we walked into that meeting and we sat down and he he wanted to know, so what is this all about? And I explained it to him. He just said, well, let me just give you the backstory. So if you don't do that kind of accounting treatment, your income statement is going to fluctuate. All right. So for any business, it's going to look funny. Uh, So most people don't want the income statement to fluctuate, but the the implication was we would have done a different treatment, accounting treatment, and that would have happened. All right, stay with me. And then when I put it on the agenda and I spoke, we spoke to the financial director. He just said, he's not worried about the income statement. He only focuses on the cash flow. We don't have to do this. And literally in 30 seconds, a wait fell off my shoulders because we all thought that it's, it's him who actually driving this decision. And, but God knew. God knew he wasn't interested in the, how the income statement would look. He was only interested in the cash flow. Who would have known? Nobody. Only God. And the Lord said to me, put it on the agenda and discuss it with the financial director. You know, and I I often refer back to that moment as God who knows everything. (laughs) You know, he understands accounting, he understands uh, uh, surgery, he understands uh, uh, grade one who needs to start reading and you need to teach them. He, he understands, young and old, he understands every profession. And sometimes, you know, we tend to rely on our own ability and our own strength. Where If we ask the Lord for wisdom, you know, He can he can give us insight and wisdom in a situation that nobody would have known, but this is the God that we serve. So I want to encourage you, do not only rely on your natural abilities. Obviously, you know, God has given us skills. There's things in the natural, there's things in the spiritual. It's never separated. But what about asking God for wisdom in your workplace with a difficult situation, difficult client, difficult patient, difficult situation? What about asking him for wisdom? Because he wants to give it to us. Daniel was a man of wisdom and he changed so much in his workplace, then Daniel was also a man of fasting. You know, we, of, we often say we're going to do a Daniel fast, for those of you maybe familiar with that. But have you ever thought we'd actually, where does it come from? You know, where, where do we find this? And we find this in the book of Daniel. He was the man who introduced the Daniel fast. And, you know, he he knew that there's power in fasting. So he lived differently. He lived in a way that was not only wise or excellent or a, a, a praying lifestyle. He also knew what it means to fast. So Daniel 1 verse 11. So this is now during those, um, that season when they had this training program at the palace and they wanted to give him the king's delicacies, you know, and everything that that they had to offer at the palace. But he said, please test your servants for 10 days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Now, this is so interesting because, um, you know, I mean, we should have compassion on Daniel, right? He lived in Jerusalem. He was deported to Babylon. It wasn't an easy start. Now, why can't he have just a little bit of the king's delicacies, you know? Maybe, you know, for him to make this kind of decision, it's, it's radical, but it paid off. So um, after that, the king was just even more impressed, or the eunuchs, the, the people who looked after them, the officials, they were even more impressed because Daniel made a decision that everybody thought is going to make him look weaker. Ultimately, it made them look stronger and healthier You know, so he made a decision. You know, sometimes in our environment, we get stuck. We get stuck at work. We get stuck in our finances, our families. We do not have answers. We have prayed. We have worshipped. We have done this or that. Maybe then it's time to fast, right? If you're still fearful, if you still need a breakthrough, and I'm not saying... Fasting is a, a, you know, this magical thing that's just going to solve everything. I'm going to share a story with you now, but God gives us tools, right? It's not a recipe. It's not tick, 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 tick. And life is, is good. It doesn't work like that, but there's a relationship with God, with the God of heaven. And he guides us. And sometimes he guides us to fast. And I had this scenario in my first year when I, when I started with my work. Around the middle of the year, I was I was really struggling. So I wrote down eleven things that was overwhelming. I actually revisited that little paper because I kept it as a memorial of God's goodness. I wrote down eleven things. So I did tell you already. I failed my board exam. I didn't have a car. Uh, I was really struggling at work. It was a very challenging environment environment for me. I struggled with my health. I struggled with many things. And I just said to God, Lord, I. I need breakthrough. Actually, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And then I felt that God led me to fast. For three days, I did a liquid fast. And so not water only, but I, I didn't eat anything. That was just how God led me, right? There's many ways to fast. But the moment I made the decision to fast, a weight fell off my shoulders. Those 11 things I wrote down, Nothing changed yet at that moment, but I received peace. It was almost as if, okay, I can breathe again. I'm just going to focus on God. He's going to sort out the big stuff because I don't know what to do. You know, I was, I was stuck with so many things and that for me was actually enough. But on top of that, in the weeks and the months to come, God showed up in each and every of those things. But it wasn't me striving or me wanting to change anything or trying harder. I just focused on Jesus. And that is what a fast does. It's not, you know, we fast and God performs, you know. It's not, we fast to seek His face, to humble ourselves, to, to show God that we're dependent on Him, that we believe, we put our trust in Him. And that brings a shift. It brings a shift in our internal atmosphere. And I have so many stories of times when I was so scared to fast. I was so scared, uh, you know, of doing this. How am I going to get this right? You know, and it's not bad. It's not bad to feel that you can't do it because it's exactly the point. You know, when we fast, it, it makes us so dependent on God. And then the moment we're dependent on God our faith increases and then we put our trust in him we shift our focus from the problems to Jesus and then he works he works things that we cannot do in our own natural ability so we're going to do a fast as a church from this coming Thursday to Sunday I want to invite you to join us you can fast in any way that you want to fast we can send you information if you sign up for this there's a There's a link on our link tree so we can send you ideas or tips if you're not familiar with fasting. But sometimes this is exactly what we need in our workplace, in our families, in our finances. So Daniel was a man of fasting. It made a huge difference for him in his workplace. So he was not only a man of excellence and prayer and wisdom, and fasting was also a man of purpose a man of purpose. And we find that also right in the beginning, Daniel 1 verse 8, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. And our God had brought Daniel into the favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. You see, there was a purpose. Like I said, he could felt sorry for himself, you know, being deported to Babylon. I mean, surely he deserves a little bit of the king's delicacies. No, but he purposed in his heart to live differently. There was a purpose. It wasn't just a job. It wasn't just a, okay, God, how quickly can I go back to Jerusalem? How long is this going to take? You know, just waiting for the season to pass. No, he purposed in his heart to be different. You know, this is what we need in our workplace. He made different choices. So in, in 1998, I was doing my honors in accounting, and in the middle of that year, in the June, July holidays, I joined a few friends, and we went to to Australia, to Sydney, for a Hillsong worship conference, which for me was absolutely life-changing. It was the first time for me on an airplane, first time out of the country, and I was just so amazed, you know, to to do workshops with people like Reuben Morgan. I don't know how many of you, uh, you know. Like, I'm in my 40s, so Ruben Morgan was one of my heroes. Now we have so many worship, amazing worship artists. But back then, he was really a, a guy still, you know, seeking the Lord, writing music. We had workshops with him. We were just worshiping, you know, this whole conference, and they taught us on worship. And I came back very excited about worship, back to Stellenbosch. But now you must remember, I'm studying accounting, I'm studying accounting and doing my honors in accounting. And the one guy went with us, he studied music, and he was actually appointed as the worship pastor at Shafasalambosh. And I was so jealous. I said, God, this is unfair, you know, this is unfair. We both went to this conference. He gets to worship morning, evening, you know, whole day. I need to study tax and accounting and auditing and like, how am I going to do this? You know, I was so distracted. I was so distracted. I mean, in a good way, I suppose, to be focused on worship, I suppose, is good. But for my studies, it really wasn't good. And and God had to address this. He, he, God said to me, Sonica, you need to focus. <laughs> you need to get your focus right. It's not your season to work at the church. It's not your season to be in full-time ministry. It's your season now to study and to finish your, your studies. So fast forward. So Andre and I got married about uh, three years later. And so when I was doing my third year articles, we got married. He was still studying. And a year after that, he felt that, that he, that God wants him to volunteer at the church. Volunteer as in offer his services for free, you know, work, work at the church for free. I was like, Oh my goodness. Now I'm challenged again because now my husband is going to work at the church. I am working at an auditing firm. But then I knew. Why I had to finish my studies because we needed my salary to survive. You know, I knew. I mean, it wasn't easy when I got over myself, over myself pity. That now, now it's not only my friend is working at the church. Now it's my husband is also working at the church. You know, and I'm in this very, very different environment. But it gave me purpose, and I know to this day that, you know, if. If I didn't earn that money, if it wasn't, if I wasn't in that position, it would have been very, very difficult for Andre to walk through that window of opportunity. Because, I mean, eventually, praise God, they did appoint him with a, with a small salary, but even that would not have been enough for him to survive, let alone the two of us. So it gave me so much purpose. Now, even though it was difficult, even though it wasn't necessarily my dream, I knew that what I do opens the door for my husband to be in full-time ministry. And it was such an honor. You know, it was such a privilege for me. And, I mean, I didn't stop, you know, praying and trusting the Lord for for me to join him. But it took, I mean, like you, most of you know now, so I've been working with Andre for the last 13 years, but it took 11 years. It took 11 years for me to... Working in an environment, it wasn't all bad. I mean, it is my passion. I actually like accounting, believe it or not. It it wasn't all bad, but it, it, I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But, there's a but. Even when you have your dream job, there's, you, you still need to do your work with excellence. I still need to pray. I still need to trust the Lord for wisdom. I still need to fast. I still need to find purpose. You know, because sometimes we think if I can just get a different job or if I can just live my dream or if I can just uh, have a bigger salary, then, then a Monday is going to be easier. Right? So we, we live in the future or we live in a reality that is it's not it's not so real. You know, it's, it's not necessarily reality because ultimately no matter which job you have, you're gonna, you're gonna encounter difficult moments and we would need to trust the Lord for those moments. And like I say, even though now I, you know, I'm so privileged, I'm so privileged and honored to work with Andrea, but let me tell you, I know you guys, like I said, you know, you guys think we drink coffee all day and don't really work, but I I actually experienced challenges in full-time ministry I haven't experienced in my previous job. Challenges that I had to trust the Lord for, you know, spiritual pressure that was unknown to me. So I had to learn a whole new way of dealing with my new job. And every time, no matter the circumstances, there will be things that will challenge you. And this is why we need to cultivate a life like Daniel did. We need to cultivate a Christ-centered life at work so that God can be with us, so that we can believe that God is with us. Amen. So I want to encourage you to ask the Lord to open your eyes for purpose. Why? Why do you do what you do? Why are you in that specific position? Because there's always purpose. I mean, look at Nicole. You know, she's got a, a normal job. God said to her at the beginning of this, Nicole, I want you to bring in the harvest And Ronnie Motors. She's just responding, but she is, she's so excited about what's happening. It gives her a reason to go to work on a Monday. It really does. You know, at my very last office meeting, um, after 10 years working for a company in Stellenbosch, I had this opportunity to speak to the whole office, like do a farewell speech. And, it was actually not something I was looking forward to because, you know, it's this whole office, hundred people staring at you. And, you know, nobody really, I mean, it's just like almost like a formality. But you know what? After 10 years working for, for the company, praying for the people, I had this opportunity to speak to, to the people in my office. And, you know, God gave me so much boldness on that day. You know, normally it would have been so intimidating for me. On that day, God gave me so much boldness. Just so much love for the people, you know, and I could share with them our heart. Why do we come to East London? Because they, some of them felt really sorry for me, you know, moving from the Western Cape to the Eastern Cape. Truly, sincerely, you know, sorry for, for me. I could share with them our heart for the church and why we come. And, you know, and I could I could challenge them and say, but life is more than being a chartered accountant. It's this, it's more than money. Life is about more than money. It's more about status and position. And, you know, because in, in my environment, people were so focused on all these things, money and the car they're going to drive and the next house they're going to buy. And, you know, I could just share my heart. And for me, it was so much freedom. It was, it was one of the highlights of my career. You know, after ten years, I had an opportunity to speak to the whole office, and by God's grace, that day I wasn't scared and I wasn't intimidated. And I could, I could freely talk about my faith, and, you know, and and after ten years, I was one of them in a sense. You know, they could trust me, they could see the way I work, and of built trust. But what if I? What if I didn't do my work with excellence? You know, what if I didn't pray and didn't ask the Lord for wisdom? Would anybody have listened to me on that day? But it was as if God just set up, you know, for 10 years, he was building a foundation for me to have that one. And I mean, there were many other moments as well, but that was the one moment where I just knew, you know, I had this opportunity, you know, why, why? Why are you working at your church? Oh, (laughs) your church. At your, at your job. Why? There's a reason. There's a reason you are there. And what if a combination of prayer and wisdom and excellence and fasting and purpose, what if a combination of those things, the things Daniel lived for, what if that can lead to transformation in our workplace? What if, because anything is possible, Anything is possible. So I want to show you just to end off a, a last, uh, the last, um, or the, the part that happened just after Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Okay. That was what he was famous for. In a sense, he was thrown into the lion's den and he came out without a scratch, right? So go read the book of Daniel if you're not familiar with that. But the backstory of this is that the officials were actually very jealous of Daniel because they could see the king wanted to promote him. And he was faithful. They couldn't find any fault in him. But then they decided to set him up. So what they did, they convinced the king to write a decree that anyone who prays to any God or or anyone, except the king for 30 days, will be thrown into the lion's den. Because they knew Daniel was going to pray. They knew it was his custom three times a day to pray to the God of heaven. And then the king if he writes this decree, he cannot go back on his word. So they schemed. The king signed this decree. And now the king's really upset because he likes Daniel. But now Daniel must go to the lion's den, right? You, most of you know the outcome. The lion's mouths were, were closed. Daniel came out without a scratch. But now listen to this remarkable part of the story. This is now after Daniel comes out. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear because before the God of Daniel. Because he is the living God. So just picture this. Okay, it's now your biggest test ever at work. Your biggest crisis Your biggest crisis, but because you handle it right, because you're not offended with your boss, because you're not swearing and cursing and, you know, planning something evil against those people who planned evil against you, because you handle it with godliness, God comes through for you, and now this king says, everybody... Everybody will serve the God of Daniel because he is the living God. It was such an amazing testimony. But there was this massive test. And crisis. Crisis. You know. Thrown into the lions' then. And Daniel just came out of it victoriously. Not because he served Jesus for one day. No. It was a daily pursuit. The Christ-centered life. You know that, that diagram that Andre showed about the dot in the middle where we just He was consistently, continuously pressing in for more of Jesus. Not only at church, not only at home, but also at work, where things were challenging, where it was, it, it was dark and it was, you know, there's a scripture in Isaiah that says, darkness will cover the earth and dark, deep darkness, the people, but, but the Lord will arise over you. The Lord will arise over you. You know, and kings will come to the brightness of your glory. And, you know, this is our calling as Christians. I know it's difficult. I've been there. I've been there in a work environment where, where, you know, there's swearing and there's drinking and there's challenges and there's difficult personalities and there's people doing taking shortcuts and people not respecting you and people treating you unfairly. I've been there. I've been there. But I know that you are there for a reason. You know, deep darkness will cover the people in the earth, but the Lord will arise over you. And this is, this is where God comes in, you know, where he is faithful. So your biggest taste at work can become your biggest testimony, your biggest testimony. And sometimes we get stuck, but this is where we serve a God who is alive, who is with you. But you need to believe it. You need to believe it. You know, so what about thanking God not only on a Friday, but also on a Monday? Because there's purpose. Because there's a prayer group. Because you have fasted two weeks ago and you, you, you know God is with you. What about thanking Him not only on a Friday, but also on a Monday? What about living a Christ-centered life, not only at church or at home, but also at work? A Christ-centered life at work what about that what about going to work not only to make money but to make a difference this is your calling this is your destiny not only to make money yes it's part of the game you know we need to earn an income it's all part of it god is never separating himself from the earthly things that we need to do or we need to accomplish or we need to we need to to reach a goal or you know like i say money to to, to make a living Yet there's more, there's more to work than just making money. There's more to work than just getting a promotion. There's more to work than just going through the motions because you don't have another choice. There's purpose, but you need to find it. You need to find it. Like I said, you know, I found purpose when I was actually jealous, you know, when Andre started working at the church. I found purpose in a job because I knew it gives my husband a platform and an opportunity, you know, that he would not otherwise would have had. It gave me purpose. What is your purpose? Because God wants to show it to you. And that will help you on a Sunday evening and a Monday or Sunday evening to think about work and a Monday morning to get up and go and trust the Lord to make a difference. Amen. You can do it.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.